the Professionally Speaking Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Professionally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan J. Warner, Director and Executive Coach at Professional Presentation Services. And with me today is another special guest, Armin Zadakbar. He is the founder and CEO of the Armin Bar, boutique digital agency between Milan and New York City. We're very excited to have him on. Armin, thanks so much for making some time and for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Yeah. Pleasure to be speaking with you here now. Took the words out of my mouth. It's an absolute pleasure <laughs> to, to have you here. Armin, why don't you start off by telling a little bit about yourself to our listeners? Sure. Well, from where should I start? Well, born and raised in Tehran, Iran. I have my family moving around a little bit. Have my, uh, you're in Toronto. I have my family very close to you. Well, relatively in <laughs> PEI, Prince Edward Island, middle of nowhere in Canada. Uh, I lived in different places in the Middle East, Europe, North America, from uh, Tehran, Dubai, New York, Miami, LA, Bologna, uh, Rome, uh, Milan. <laughs> so, but mostly after a while, and uh, this, I actually was very lucky to be able to do these moves when I was younger. Right now, I'm um, 37, almost 38. And But in my 20s, I was in the search of happiness or like figuring out who I am. So I was just trying to move from a place to another to better understand what am I? Who am I? And I've done a lot of different jobs, worked for big corporations, startups. I started my own companies been in different industries from fashion to even I had a, I had two restaurants to finally figure out what makes me happy and where I feel home, which surprisingly, I feel home, not a place I was born or raised or where I have my family. <laughs> I feel home in New York City and in Italy in general. So that's why I tried the last I would say more or less 10 years or so, I was dedicated to make this like this is a reality, having a life between those, the, these two places. And the Armin Bar became the result of, uh, of this uh, vision and at the same time facilitated this goal, if I may. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Armin, you know, one of the things that I love about yourself and about your website and about your whole digital presence is everything is aligned, which is excellent. You should, we should see that more in, in the appreciate world. appreciate that. Yeah, we really should see it more often, but you have a great example of that. And for our listeners out there, you should definitely check out thearminbar.com. But Armin, tell our listeners, what exactly do you do? How do you help people? How do you bring value to people? Because I know you do it every day. Well, let me tell a little bit of a story. Sure. As part of these travels and as part of these different uh, experiences, I was, again, super lucky to have the luxury of doing these travels. I learned a few th things, more than a few things, <laughs> about myself, and I realized where my strengths are and where my weaknesses are. And one of the stuff that I learned is that I'm a very good observer 
I, I suck at 99.999% of the things in the world. <laughs> but there are very few things that I think I'm very good at. And it comes to me very naturally. Number one would be I'm a natural observer. And as an observer, one of the stuff that I was uh, observing, trying to, because uh, I, I, I come from a very humble uh, beginnings. I was born in the middle of the war in the Middle East, so in a very normal family. So it was not, uh, nothing was handed to me. So, but I had these big dreams and ambitions. So I started like observing the life and the decisions that the, uh, the successful people, quote unquote, had. And here success, I don't necessarily mean money. Like success, meaning that they're doing what they're, they really enjoying themselves. Eventually money will follow. And one of the stuff that I noticed is that these successful people, they, none of them try to focus on their weaknesses and per se spend their time mostly on improving their weaknesses. But they, some of them very early in their lives, figured out what are their strengths are and went all in on those strengths. Simple example, Michael Jordan. I'm very sure when he was in uh, high school, he was not like, oh, maybe I should do better in math. He figured out what is his strength in, and he went all in on that. So I started to put these together also. Okay, what are my strengths? And what are, uh, like, how I can build a life on that? Mm -hmm. Observer was one of the, Mm, like uh, let's call them soft skills that I could notice about myself. Uh, storyteller, I was a good presenter always, and I loved it. Public speaking, I never like just put me in front of one thousand people. I would be happy to grab the mic and crack a joke. Mm -hmm. And these two specific uh, points, and like plus another one that I always like to connect the dots, connect the dots of solving problems as like that can be a simple puzzle or even uh, fixing other people's problems in a sense of like uh, connecting them. Oh, you need like we're talking right now. You said like, oh, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out how to edit this video. Oh, you know what? I know this guy. He's good at doing that. Let me just uh, fix you up, like hook you up with that guy. So it just comes to me very naturally. Putting all these things together plus Think of it around 2013, 14. That's like right around the time, around 2012, it started the boom of social media and uh, Facebook specifically. Then it was the time that, okay, there, there's internet, there's digital uh, presence of businesses in social media. And a lot of them, they don't even know what they're uh, talking about. <laughs> they're being very corporate uh, uh, in their presence, in their way of communicating with the audiences on that specific social media. And somehow it reminded me of uh, how even, for example, my mom or my dad, they were using that. They wanted to be on it or even the way that they were texting me. So when they were texting me, it was like they were writing me the first time when there was text messages, my mom was texting me in a very, very formal way, but she was not <laughs> talking to me like that. And 
The reason was not that she didn't know how to uh, talk to me. It was because it was a new way of communication and new technology. And she didn't know how to use that. And it was the same situation with those corporations. So I saw that as an opportunity. And I started since the very early days of social media, I started to just build things on top of that. Uh, build things on top of that and then putting an ob uh, the observation, storytelling and connecting the dots. This is like the put them in a blender that comes marketing sales. I knew I'm not good at mm, building anything because if you're able, like Naval says, if you're able to build and if you're able to sell, you're unstoppable. Hmm. Well, I was not good at building, <laughs> but I was good at selling and marketing things. So I was just like, okay, let me try to uh, help other people who know how to build, but mostly they don't know how to sell, to sell their products. Mm -hmm. And there was a time that I was actually... Things got very crazy at some point in my life, like rock bottom. In a very short period of time, uh, I lost all my money. In at the time that I was in, I was uh, in New York City. I lost all my money. I lost my mom. I lost the, my girlfriend at the time. My visa situation in the U.S. was like, an, uh, my visa was expiring, and then I didn't have like a legitimate reason to be able to renew it. It was a crazy situation. And I vividly remember that when I was talking to my brother to just figure out a way to just like, oh God, like I need to figure out, find a job again. And he was like, so what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to go move to Italy. But she, was, she said, no, but what are you going to do with your life? I was like, I want to be an investor. He was like, you don't have a rent for the next month. You want to be an investor? Yeah. I was like, yeah. He was like, oh, you're out of your mind. I was like, I actually have never been this clear in my head ever before. It came to me in a few uh, steps, which was a 20-year plan, 15 to 20-year plan. And I started to think of it like these are the stuff that later on I started reading the more and more about these steps later in my life. Very smart people. Again, I'm quoting Naval here. But at the time, I had a plan. My plan was just, okay, I want to invest. Do I have money? No. Okay, so I need money. How am I going to get money? Do I have money to make money with it? No. Do I have anything to sell? Well, the only thing I can sell is my time. So I started selling my time, technically my services as a freelancer doing marketing and sales. I started like setting up uh, a very, very simple situation as a freelancer selling, uh, helping companies to sell their stuff. Then things got bigger. Now I have I have some successful cases studies, so my prices are going up. But then I hit the cap. Now I'm not able to sell any more time because I have there is a limit to my time. 
but I'm able to get more projects and do more stuff. So I started hiring people, which if you think about it, I started to buy their time and resell it at a higher price. Mm -hmm. It's not a, a beautiful way to describe it, but it's actually the way it is. Mm -hmm. But then again, if I buy someone's time and resell it, also on their time, there is a cap. That was the problem. So we started like to growing a little bit, but then I could see that, okay, the easiest way to get the cash fast profit being profitable is to get into the service business, but it's not a scalable. That was the first stage of the business, but we delivered amazing uh, work that we were able to, to these clients. And then we had a cash flow. With that cash flow, again, I was not able to build the stuff. I partnered with some bu uh, builders that didn't know how to sell to build the stuff. Mm -hmm. And then that would become that was a product company that is scalable. And that's where in the last few years, that building of a product, I had like a participation in different startups or even in other businesses that technically had nothing to do with technology. Uh, I mentioned like two restaurants, for example, here in Italy. Mm -hmm. But because I had an opportunity, I saw an opportunity that there was a good product per se, mm -hmm. uh, but they didn't know how to market it. So I came in and I did that portion of the work. And if you think about it, the whole approach that I just mentioned, this is the same mindset and approach that I try to bring internally to my clients. And what we started to do as the Armin Bar, we specifically positioned ourselves after a few years of ups and downs and experimenting as people who only focus on launch or relaunch of a product, not an agency that is going to be there on a retainer. Because I saw if you start like having just signing retainer contracts, what's going to happen? The more clients you get, the more people you need to hire. Mm -hmm. After a while, that retainer job, it becomes so boring. So talented people will not stay to do. It's not mm, stimulating to them. Money becomes secondary after a while to them. Uh, you don't arouse their curiosity. There is no challenge. Mm -hmm. So they start leaving. Then you start building a mediocre, replaceable machine that you're, uh, you're going to be one of the many. That was not something I wanted to do. So we changed that. We're now only working with launch and relaunch of the products with, uh, or uh, brands, which is a very early stage of a um, project per se. And that's something we do normally between three to nine months and we're out. And we help the companies that we work with to be as autonomous as possible after we leave. So they don't even, and, and because I teach in different universities, I even help them to start maybe if needed, hire uh, from an intern to also an MBA graduate that can grow with us. So when we leave, they can continue doing what we are, what we built technically, 
with much lower cost and uh, much more control internally. And for us, we get a, a very good amount of money at the beginning to build the system. And that's also for me, the fun part, the most difficult part, but the fun part. And that allows me to also have talent in my team, high quality people, because it's not just money, but I'm also giving them always some challenges, which is super fun, but very, very, very difficult because I have to always be on the sales mode because the moment I start this project, I have to start being in a, a position of finding the next one because the moment it finishes, I have to start another one. If you leave me, I'm going to talk for another eight hours. So I'm just going to stop. Now. <laughs> okay. I had, I had a quick question come to mind and then I, I sure. want to move on to the next question. But when you mentioned when texting first became prominent and your mother had sent you a text and it was a little bit formal, did it read like, dear Armin? And then go like something um, like that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Oh my goodness. I, I wanted so to respond, say that sincerely yours. Like, yeah. what is this? <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought. Okay, good. We're on the same page. So Armin, clearly you've had uh, a lot of success specifically bringing your skill, leveraging your ability to speak and to sell and to uh, communicate interpersonally. So tell us a little bit about that. Tell our listeners a little bit, a little bit of a window into uh, how you go about that process and, and how you've had so much success. Well, thank you. So much success. I don't know. I don't consider that so much uh, success. So my success, maybe professionally, uh, I still have a lot of uh, bigger ambitions to go. But on a personal level, I think it's a success because I am where I want to be. I do what I want to do, and I'm doing it whenever I want to do with the people I want to do. I think that's the biggest luxury I can achieve. Anything on top of this is just going to be like, it's just a cool to have. I, 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 if there, if my life ends today, I, I feel like I already won. That's, that's happiness to me. And back to your question, I think the most important element of being able to pull all these things off are the people I had around me and the people that I showed them that I'm genuinely there to take care of them and I care about them. And I started like giving, giving, giving more than what they were expecting from my employees to my clients. And eventually it becomes a thing that they feel like without even, it's kind of like a, mindset thing then because every time the business is going to go up and down and the more uh, and when you're a giver always when uh shit hits the fan then there's going to be the moment that people that you've been taking care of them almost all of them they're going to be there to take care of you that's why 100 percent of our clients till today they came through word of mouth and 100% of, our, the, of the clients of the Armin Bar 
100% of them at least presented to us one potential client. Doesn't mean that they all became a client, but it was just the fact that they were. So it's just, just be good to people, take care of them, give them more than what they expect. It's as, it's just think of it. When you go to a restaurant and the bill comes, bill is $40 and then they give, uh, or like bill is $400 and then they give you a discount, $390, $10 on a $400 is nothing, but that $10 make you feel special. Gonna be, and then imagine that the owner comes in just like, oh, I saw that you didn't uh, finish your uh, dessert. No worries, I'm not charging the dessert. You just feel like, damn, this is these are good people. Like I'm, I'm gonna come back here. So you feel they, it's a, they make you be addicted to their business without you even noticing that mm-hmm. by being by being overly nice to you, not in a bad way not in a toxic way. They just give you more than what you expect. If I know that I'm able to do, I'm just giving a number from zero to hundred. If I'm able to deliver 80, I always promise 70. And it just, that extra 10, man, it just like, it makes a huge difference rather than promising 80 or, and delivering 80 or promising 81 and deliver in 80. Mm-hmm. The, the difference is huge. That's excellent. Excellent words of wisdom there. We kind of, we started off with about <laughs> your communication delivery. We ended up with a philosophical nugget of wisdom. Which has at the end of the day, well, the more growing the business these days, the more I'm not reading business books. And I'm reading philosophy books and I listen to history podcasts. It's crazy. And it's somehow these are the stuff that the, the people in higher position, these are the kind of a conversation that I'm having with them and it becomes interesting. We already have the case studies to back up our services, but these conversations are the uh, conversation that catches their attention and we build relationships and they want to work with us. It's crazy. It's crazy. But that's, that's how we're building the business. now. <laughs> that's interesting. That's interesting. And I'm really glad to hear that. Um, and on the heels of that, it dovetails nicely into the next question, which is, Armin, imagine there's a, a young lad or a young individual, and they just finish university, they've just finished college, they're maybe 22, 23 years old, they're considering getting into following in your footsteps, getting into your line of work. But they're not really sure. They're not really sure how to go about it. And they're a little bit uncertain. What advice, what would you tell this person? Oh, a lot of stuff. First thing, choose a boss. Don't choose a job or choose, don't choose a company. Don't choose a salary. Choose a boss if you're that young. Because you think, oh, uh, trust me, I was a very 
uh, cocky person thinking that I know uh, it all when I was younger, which later on in a hard way, step by step, I learned that that is not true. But the very <laughs> few people that they were there and I looked up to them and I just observed them how they do things, that changed my life. Hmm. More than the name of the company or the amount of money. Because when you're too young, you can have like, I even had like apartments that they were 25 square meters. <laughs> so, but it was like, at the time it didn't feel bad right now. Like it's just impossible at this stage of my life for me. But at the time when you're younger, you can do that. One, two, which I'm still myself at this stage I'm learning is patience. It's so interesting when you start thinking that potentially if you don't have any accident or any terminal illness, you can easily live up to 100 years old. I see people at their 80s, 90s that they're functioning and enjoying their time and things are going to get better by the time we get to that age. I hope so. So, no, it will. It's just that th that's how it is. That's how, where it's going. So if you know that by the time you're 18, 20, the first 20% of your life, you don't know anything. <laughs> you don't know anything in a sense that everything that you know is the byproduct of your family, your school, your circle of friends, and some maybe uh, influence the people you follow on social media. You haven't touched the real life. And the more, so that's the first 20%. Then you have 80% ahead of you. And then if you think of it that I have 80% ahead of me, and then you pl play the game for that 80% or at least for the 60, 40% uh, uh, in front of you on, from there, 40% from 20 to, uh, uh, for, uh, with that 40 would be up to 60 years old. So you have 40 years up there. Instead of trying to win, become uh, a millionaire in four years by the 24 years old, <laughs> if you try to build it something that you're going to enjoy it when you're like uh, 40, 50, 60, then as you start thinking not in days or month or uh, years but like in five years or in decades that thing like it's been life-changing for me it's been amazingly life-changing for me and that's why I start like also not looking at my income on an hourly as an hourly rate okay if someone wants my consultancy how would be on an hourly rate because it's just like it's a small amount mm -hmm. relatively to how much I'm potentially be, be able to with various stuff earn annually. Then it just like put, put this in perspective. What I can say is that play the long game and put the money and time in bigger scales, not in smaller scales, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. No, it, it does make sense. That's something that I subscribe to as well. I find a lot of people measure 
themselves or they measure whatever metric they're trying to over a very short period of time, like a week or a month, when, when really the true measure of success is longer, the better, right? So over a year, mm -hmm. two years, right? So when you're growing your business, trying to measure the revenue you're bringing in per week or per month would not be as accurate or as kind of, uh, I guess you'd say like indicative. Or important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the money that you might have in 25, trust me, you would, uh, you would like to have a million dollars when you're, or $10 million when you're 35, not when you're 25. <laughs> it's, it's so true. Yeah. When you get there, you realize. Yeah. And, and now that I'm at this age, I'm just trying to remind this to myself, say that, hey, you would be uh, enjoying this much more when you're 40, 45, 50. So just hold on to it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And our time is, is drawing near here, but just two more quick questions for you. One question our listeners always are interested in is, you're like I said, you're, you're in, in sales and you work with a lot of people internally with your own team. And then also externally, you have a lot of partnerships and relationships. When you're speaking and communicating with these different parties, is there anything that you do or that you keep in mind to make sure that your communication is as effective as possible? Observation. Observation in a sense that trying every time I'm uh, ideally every time I'm having a conversation face to face or a video call, I try to here and there make sure I have a clear vision and understanding of their body language. So that means that am I getting their attention? Is this something interesting to them? Am I losing them? Because if you're not entertained, no matter how important what I'm saying, if it doesn't catches your attention, you're going to lose it. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, when you're on the phone, after a while of like, after having a lot of phone calls, you would be able by the way they're breathing or the background or the way that they're moved, those little background noises of the way that the phone or a headphone moves, you can understand if they're listening or not, or how they're listening to you. Mm. And if, if you're not having them engaged, you lost, no matter uh, if the message comes secondary. Mm. Interesting. I hope I had you or the people <laughs> listening engaged. <laughs> I'm sure our people listening are just hand on chin, just engaged, <laughs> sucked in right now. Uh, <laughs> and Armin, before we let you go here, uh, is there any, uh, I'll give you the final word, Any anything you want to share with our audience, any words of wisdom you have to leave them with? Well, words of wisdom, I don't know about that. But last thing, now that we're talking philosophy, I urge anybody who's interested to better understand themselves to learn the art of unlearning, which is a very, 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 very difficult thing to do, especially if you've been into it 
family, into a school, into a corporate world, into a uh, community that some stuff are like they're just given. You're not, you don't even think of questioning. You know? And then the moment you start unlearning everything that you learn and start learning them again, maybe you learn them again the same way. Mm. You know, it doesn't mean that everything you're going to learn is going to be different, but learn them on your own terms, not on the quote unquote factory setting that you've been <laughs> raised by. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Override the default. 100%. 100%. All right, folks, there you have it. Armin Zadakbar, founder and CEO of the Armin Bar boutique digital agency between Milan and New York City. And Armin, if the if our listeners out there, which I'm sure some of them do, want to get in touch with you, they're interested in your services or they're interested to learn more, where can they get in touch with you? How can they go about that? Any social media, I'm very active on LinkedIn. You can easily find me. I have a like a, <laughs> uh, it's a curse and a blessing, very unique name. So it's not difficult to find me. <laughs> Or you can even directly send me an email, armin at thearminbar.com. Fantastic. Well, Armin, thank you again for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And I wish you all a, a great rest of the day. All right, folks. Armin Zadakbar. Armin, thanks again for your time. And we will catch up with you hopefully soon in the future. Cheers. That does it for another episode of the Professionally Speaking Podcast. Pick up a copy of The Effective Presenter, The Winning Formula for Business Presentations on Amazon or anywhere else books are sold. It's now available in Audible and audiobook form as well. And as usual, we wish you success in your future speaking endeavors.